so yeah Philippe was my urchin and I kept him the whole way he was you know I found that name on the first week and he stayed with me Hello fellow theatre geeks. On this episode, I'm talking to the lovely Charlotte Kennedy. Charlotte trained musical theatre at Mount View Academy of Theatre Arts before joining the 30th anniversary cast of Les Miserables in 2015 as an ensemble member. Then in 2016, she went on to take over the role of Cosette. Charlotte had so many amazing Les Mis experiences to share, including what it was like having to go on for Get Roche, performing at West End Live, and being part of the original production's final performance. She also shared what she thinks is an important aspect of the theater industry that doesn't get spoken about enough. Here we go. Welcome, Charlotte, to the Beyond the Barricade podcast. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's exciting. I'm so excited to have you. Um, I'm trying very hard not to fangirl too hard uh, because I've seen you as Cosette multiple times. Um, You're up there with some of my favorite performances of Cosette. Uh, Before we start, could you just tell the listeners which production of Les Mis you were in and which parts you played? Yeah, so I started in Les Mis in the West End in 2015, so the 30th anniversary cast, um, and I went in as ensemble um, cover cassette, and then I covered the role for a year and a half, and then in December 2016, I took over the role of cassette, and then I played the role until 2018, and then I went back for five weeks and closed the original version as Cosette so I did five weeks then so yeah amazing Um, and I'd love to hear your journey to being in the West End did you always know you wanted to be an actor I came to it pretty late actually in all honesty like music was always a really big thing in my life and I, I played the cello so that's how I got into it and um and I sang um my piano lessons kind of turned into singing lessons when we discovered I could sing um but I I didn't do a show until I was like 14 and then I really got the bug and I and and then I thought oh okay this is really what I want to um to do so yeah I kind of I I kind of knew but once I got the bug that was it really (laughs) what was that first show that you did I did the Wizard of Oz and I played Dorothy and I had a real dog and everything. I mean, for a Oh my gosh. <laughs> it was really full out with feeling, but yeah. I mean, you're never supposed to perform with, with animals or kids, right? How did yeah, and that the go? Thing is, is that I've got much better, but I'm actually quite scared of dogs. So it was like, oh, really? oh no. <laughs> and then I had a dog on stage with me, but I did it. It was a really big thing. So I managed it, but yeah, never worked with dogs or what was it animals or children or whatever but yeah there was a live dog on stage (laughs) well you got that out of the way really quick you you know that you kind of had that first challenge (laughs) right away so everything else had to be easier (laughs) did you ever see Les Mis when you were younger yes I did um I went and saw I would have been it's really weird actually when you think about the timeline of it so I think I would have been about 15 when I went and saw it, so about five years before I joined, which at the time you just you just never think when I went and saw it, like a teenager who loved musical theatre. But yeah, I did go and see it. So that would have been about 2010 or 2009 I went and saw it. And it's really funny because actually I then found my programme from when I went and there were cast members who I did the show with who were in it when I saw it. Not, not that I would have known, but like they'd got away in that time and then they'd come back. Um, so yeah, that was, that was really 
lovely and strange in a way how it kind of all came full circle but yeah yeah there's a lot of those full circle lameness stories because people just always kind of stay with the production absolutely I feel like once you've done it it's kind of always you, you never really leave it do you do you see yourself ever going back um I think I'm probably getting a bit too old to do cassette now because it will be nearly six years since I started um so I don't know I mean maybe one day a fontine I'd, I'd love a fontine or whatever maybe and like I don't know I need a few I still look very young um <laughs> really but maybe but but not not for a while I feel like I've mm-hmm. the best time I've done my my stint for the time being but I mean never so mm-hmm. really so yeah I would love to see you as fontine I think you'd be incredible <laughs> so we'll manifest that for the future <laughs> <laughs> what was your audition process like? So Cameron McIntosh's um, casting team actually came into my drama school um, because I went straight from, I was very, very lucky, um, but I, I went straight from drama school into the production and they kind of go, I went to Mountview and they, I don't know whether they still do it now, but when I was at college, they go into kind of a few drama schools to just kind of see what's there that year so they came and did uh like uh I wouldn't say it was an audition for Les Mis it was more an opportunity to sing for a casting director and they came in and and the and the panel that their casting team at the time saw me uh and then along with some other people in my year we got recalled to have a professional audition and then I did two like I did a, a first round and then I did a recall and then I did a final. So all in all, if you count the one at Mountview, it was it was four auditions. Yeah, it was very surreal, especially at the time because I was 20. So I was really young and I remember being in the room with the final with all of these people who were a lot older than me and much more experienced. And it was really daunting. And it was really funny because then when I got the job, you go in and you think about the audition and all the people that you were with or people <laughs> that I've now worked with since. Or yeah, it's bizarre. But yeah. It feels like a very long time ago now. <laughs> um, so how did it feel when you found out you were going to be in Lamez? Oh, the most surreal experience ever I I still didn't really think it was happening and what was really obviously I couldn't tell anyone I mean my I told my best friend and my parents but obviously because I was still at college we weren't allowed to tell anyone but yeah it was the most bizarre wonderful surreal scary exciting thing I think to be honest I think it's the most exciting phone call well no I I will I hope I will have more exciting phone calls in the future (laughs) but at that point for me it was such a big thing because you know when you go to drama school you kind of you aim towards that and you know it was just amazing for it for it to happen and I was just so incredibly grateful for that but yeah the the most amazing feeling so special I'll never forget it ever and tell me about that first day of rehearsals what was that like gosh the most daunting I still think about it now actually with equal terms like lovely memories but also dread um because it was just so scary I was in it because that cast was pretty amazing that year you know there was Rob and there was Bradley and there was Carrie and Katie Seacombe and then all of the on like Jordan Lee Davis Helen Walsh like all of these amazing performers who were so experienced and there was me who, who hadn't even graduated yet and it was just so overwhelming but really really exciting and wonderful to actually sit in the room and meet everyone and like Peter Lockyer obviously who's the who was the most amazing amazing version and um yeah it was just a really surreal but wonderful experience but yeah I uh it was equal parts terror and excitement you know 
that makes sense. <laughs> and how do you, how does the cast kind of come together in that rehearsal process and, and start working together and getting to know each other? Oh, so we were all in a big um, kind of church hall, I suppose. Well, it was a bit like a chapel in um, Islington, so North London. And yeah, just everyone was gathered for that first day. But it was also um, the director and the musical director. And we all sat in a big circle and we had to go around and like introduce ourselves (laughs) and what we were doing and what we would be covering and what we'd be playing. Yeah. And then you really, the first week is just learning the material because obviously there's so much music in the show. So it's really, it was really just that to begin with and learning everything. That's all you do for the first week It's just, learning all the material and then the really special day is the first Friday because that's where you sing the whole score through because you don't do any blocking in the first week at all it's just material and note bashing and and that that first Friday is always just so I've done three of them and it's just always so exciting because it's the first time you get to hear the new company and there's just such a like a really exciting energy in the room as well because everyone everyone sings like one day more and everyone goes oh my god where in name is you don't really realize until like you sing the end of one day more or you hear that people sing and you suddenly think oh oh this is really happening so that's always a really special really lovely moment too yeah oh my gosh that's awesome I mean that just must be so much fun to just you know actually have that feeling of like this is my cast this is this is what we're doing it's so so exciting and I love hearing stories from those who are in the ensemble because it's such an integral part of the show oh my god so important so 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 important yeah. the, like without the ensemble lame is just it would not exist I mean I know that the the main characters are really pivotal and of course drive the story on but you wouldn't be able to do that without all of the ensemble members and there's such a key important role to the show it's such an ensemble based show so yeah I completely agree with that and how do you think that dynamic makes it different from other shows I think it's a real I mean I mean any show is a team effort but I think with Les Mis you really there is a sense of a kind of a real company effort because also everyone plays so many different parts you know it's not like if you're in the ensemble of a show and you just kind of have one thing that you do throughout you know within the first 10 minutes you played like six characters (laughs) (laughs) but yeah I think uh, I think that the ensemble are just so important for the way that they you come in and you play this role and it just really again drives the story forward and it just it wouldn't the show wouldn't be the show without I think that's what I think that's one of the reasons why it is so special and why it has lasted so long and stood the test of time yeah I agree because the ensemble is basically its own character and then there's all these um, little characters in it and that changes all the time mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because yeah. so I've talked to people who are like yeah we could do you know we were free to kind of do the things that we wanted to do in the ensemble so it makes every show really different and every cast really different it really does. It really, really does. And even though it's essentially the same show, everybody who comes in play, plays that ensemble role in a different way. And like the ensemble roles really become like things that people come for. Like people who really love the show, they come to see like somebody's bag lady or or somebody's factory girl or I, I, I don't like people come for those specific roles because they, they are so iconic. They're so well known. 
So yeah, completely. Absolutely. I agree with that. Yeah. I count myself as one of those people, especially the barricade boys, like ABC cafe. I'm just watching like what's going on behind the scenes. It's true because the boys as well, that is such a pivotal part. Those featured ensemble roles with the boys in the ABC cafe and then in the barricade scenes, like they are really, really important. What were some of your favorite ensemble scenes to be in? I loved at the end of the day and the factory because that's the first time when we all kind of sing together and those magic notes the da, 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 whenever you heard those every night no matter how you were feeling that's when you went right I'm here I'm ready to go <laughs> moving and singing as one because that's a that's another I mean personally I love singing with other people I don't know I don't know I just find it really incredibly special and especially at the beginning singing with everyone that it's just yeah that that's something I, I used to love um and the factory scene as well because there's all the different characters lovely ladies again I loved I love love because there was just so much room to obviously you had your track and you had your plot um you know where you had to be but there was so much room to kind of try things out character wise lovely ladies was another one that I loved I mean one day more that would always like especially when I was in the ensemble there was just so something so special about being in that kind of the uh, shape and everyone marching together I mean I, I honestly I will never it's moments like that that you just will never forget but the ensemble scenes I, I loved and you know the barricade the barricade was exhausting at times especially like I don't know on, on like a Friday night or whatever when you still had three more to go you know and, and, and you used to think that was exhausting but also there was something really you had some nights where it's just electric you know because everyone's there with you especially like cast change nights or anything like that but yeah there was so many so 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 many and the ensemble also you mentioned this earlier has so many costume changes how did those go were those challenging when I first started yes I honestly had no idea how I would be able to to do them because when you first start as well because you only have one dress rehearsal and then you do it that night so on the when, when you start you have your Monday afternoon dress where you you see costumes and then you do it then on the Monday night and when you first do it you think there's no way because some of them are really quick I mean when you start at the beginning of the show especially for the girls and the boys as well but the girls we have we've got like four layers on and then you gradually take things off but it is so quick it's it, honestly the cost mad but again that's the joy of it because you do get to wear all of these amazing costumes and things but you when you start you think there is no way and then and then three weeks in you're there having a chat like yeah I've totally got this this is absolutely fine <laughs> got loads of time like, you know because obviously you just get more used to it but yeah to begin with it's a shock because some of them are so quick and even there were some even after I'd done it for as long as I had where I still knew that it would be seconds that would make a massive difference like you know some nights I would have loads of time and then other nights <laughs> just due to certain things things not doing up or whatever but we have amazing dresses as well the dresses were just phenomenal they were absolutely amazing there's just no way you could have done it without them and sometimes you mm -hmm. have two people you're like my cassette quick change actually I had a wiggy a dresser and a, a, a tech a member of the tech team all there because that was the only it was such a quick turnaround that there's just no way you could have done it otherwise so yeah were there ever any costume mishaps or, or times that you know you went on with the wrong costume <laughs> yeah like there was days with my cassette dress when I came from um the hospital scene going into the wedding and sometimes I remember I had a new dress and it was quite stiff 
and we couldn't get the back out so like I've gone out and do the wedding with like my bra out at the back or I'm sorry occasionally this would happen or it would unpop or you know because you had to be there in time for the gauze to come up yeah oh there were, there was so like definitely had costume mishaps or times where people have gone in in the wrong shoes that always used to make me laugh because I just I don't know what it was but we wear these pea pickers and they're like suede the very costume piece I think if you do like a costume drama or whatever you will know what a pea picker is but then if anyone was wearing these pea pickers for lovely ladies instead of their lovely lady heeled boots I just never could deal I, it was so funny and it was the smallest thing but I mean yeah lots of costume uh, mishaps but of course it's going to happen if you do a show eight times a week people have gone on with the wrong hats before or um it does happen which always really used to make me giggle. But yeah, it does happen. The magic of live theatre. Yeah, theatre, exactly. <laughs> uh, in the original production, I know there were the street urchin characters yeah. who all had names. <laughs> who was your street urchin character? So my character, he was called Philippe. Uh, he was the he was a bit of a lad, I used to think, urchin boy. Um, it was quite funny because I I am five foot six, so I'm not really tall, uh, but I used to be as almost as tall as some of the boys, so that always was quite funny. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Philippe, um, had a great time. I used to love it, like jumping on the barricades and running around. Yeah, great. So yeah, Philippe was my urchin, and I kept him the whole way. He was, you know, I found that name on the first week and he stayed with me. <laughs> Did he have his own tragically Miz backstory? Did he? I mean, yeah. Well, actually, we there was there was Philippe and then uh, Courtney Stapleton, who was who was in the cast my first year. That was my brother. And then uh, our, we used to say our dad was Adam Pierce. So and Adam <laughs> played Brujon. So, <laughs> you know, that was kind of our backstory. That was dad. So we'd see him when <laughs> we kind of had this <laughs> backstory. That is a whole story. I mean, you know, your you're children of someone of Tenardier's gang, that's that's a whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> so that was always quite fun. And speaking of street urchins, you had to play Gavroche on a few occasions. Yeah, I really did. I mean, I, I still <laughs> think that's possibly the highlight of my career so far. Um, I don't know if anything will ever top that. And it was absolutely outrageous that, of course, it was me. And the thing is, you have to do it because we only have one Gavroche in the building at any one time. I don't know if it's different now, but they do get ill, like because the the, Gav- the the kids on, especially on a double show, they get to go for a meal in between. And like, if you're eight and you're on the West End, and then suddenly you're being taken to Bella Italia, like that is so exciting. And you're like, sometimes they'd eat too much or whatever. So you have, to have a backup, but you never think it will happen. And by the time I actually went on for the first time, I'd been the emergency cover for like 14 months and had never gone on. And I just thought, oh, this is never going to happen. And then it happened. Mid-show on a Saturday. And we'd just finished Master of the House and it was turning. And then the revolt was going and a member of stage management came and told me that I had to go on in three minutes. And I thought they were really taking the mix. So I, I, I can't say what I'm, I don't know if I'm allowed to swear. So I won't exactly tell you what I said. <laughs> Um, yes, I panicked. And then, yeah, literally, we ran upstairs and got me dressed. And three minutes later, I was on as Gavroche for Paris Begasine. It was absolutely outrageous because, as I said, five foot six, I am nearly as tall as some of the boys. So there I was doing all of this Gavroche choreography. And as I turned, and everyone was in the wing watching, like everyone came down because when something like that happens, it is 
hilarious, but also, oh my goodness, I can't believe this is happening. So yeah, so I did the full show. I did a very dramatic uh, death. I, I mean, so I mean, I'm guessing everyone listening to this will know Lamez, so I'm not spoiling anything. No spoilers, welcome. <laughs> my back, my Gavroche death was really a sensation i don't think anyone's ever it was very dramatic i was wondering where my olivier was i i I really you know i feel like i really missed out there uh but no it was so funny so yeah and and actually that day i then just did the gabros track but i went on two more times after that which just became a bit of a running joke i felt like the child cottoned on to me going on i mean i (laughs) maybe you know but the next two times i went on we were so down on girls that i did my ensemble track and then did Gavroche and then had to go back into after I did my dramatic death scene iconic I then had to go and get into my uh ensemble for turning the carousel and as I ran down stage I heard a member of the audience on the front row say is she Gavroche so I mean it was it, it was hysterical and I couldn't when I did the ABC cafe because I, I only did one show the whole Gavroche track once and then Another show was One Day More and The End. And then another show was just the battle scene. But yeah, it was it was just absolutely outrageous. And I, I don't think I will ever forget the fear as well. I was so nervous because I hadn't done it in full in costume for a year. So to suddenly get thrown on, but I couldn't look at the boys in the ABC cafe. I had to look over their heads because they couldn't believe that I was shouting General Lamarck is dead at them. I couldn't believe I was saying it. So I just had, and all of the, they had to adapt it because often like Gavroche gets picked up by all the boys and on their shoulders and I just had to say to them, I was like, this can't happen today. We're just, we're just, we're just going to go through and just pretend that I'm just one of you. Okay. I know I'm 20. I know I'm 22 and I know I'm, um, I know I'm a female, but we're just going to have to go with it. That was so funny. Suspending disbelief. You know, that's that's what it's all about. I think that's the only time in theatre. I really did feel for, I mean, it depends on how you look at it, really, because the audience, they either got a once in a lifetime performance or they paid £95 to watch five foot six, 22 year old Charlotte play Gavroche. But I mean, anything goes, it's theatre. Absolutely. And I always, I mean, again, I'm a super fan, so I probably shouldn't talk. I love those moments. Like they're, they're like collectors. Like you're like, I got to see this performance. I got to see this one. I thought this person do this. I mean, that's part of the fun of it. And for anyone who saw that, they really, they, they had a, I, I, I really gave my all. I mean, my, I actually cracked as well. My voice cracked because it was such, the gap, it's actually really hard to sing, especially as a soprano because of where it sticks in your voice. And I was so nervous. Oh gosh. Yeah. I will never forget it. It was, I, I have some really funny videos as well as me dressed up as Gavroche. Like it, it, it's so, so funny. Cause one time, the first time I went on, we didn't have time to get me into my full costume. But the second time I actually had a wig, which was just, I looked like Julia Roberts in her. <laughs> Honestly, it was like this little ginger pixie. Pop. So funny. I love it when any, any of the girls have to go on for Gavroche. I just think it is the, I think it's the best. <laughs> Oh, I love that. There was even one cover run where you had to play Gavroche and Cosette, right? Yeah, yeah, I did a cover run where, yeah, it was my, yeah, it was, it was a cover run. So I did Gavroche and Cosette in one show. <laughs> it's like, it's just running backwards and forwards, being like, where do I come on from? Especially in Paris, like I'd come off from doing Look Down and then I'd have to run back and then come on as Cosette. Yeah, split personality right there. <laughs> That's amazing. As a cover, when did you find out you'd be going on for Cosette for the first time? Um, the first time I went on, it was actually um, a holiday 
date. So it was it was um, booked in already. So we knew. So I, I was able, actually, my mum and dad were able to be there, which was really special. So we knew in advance um, when I would be going on. So yeah, that, that one was booked in. So I, I actually think I knew that from pretty early on, like even in rehearsals. So mm-hmm. I had time to kind of prepare. It was quite early on though. I think I first went on at the end of July. So I'd only been in the show for about seven, eight weeks. That's good. It's nice to have notice because so many of these stories or people I've talked to, like I had five minutes notice of the first show. I don't even remember. <laughs> yeah, I then, yeah. So that, that was really good. I mean, it wasn't like my Gavroche where I had three minutes notice on. <laughs> but that one I did know about beforehand but some of the, the there were other times where I went on where I found out like you know not too long beforehand or but yeah and, and what was that first performance like when you were Cosette do you know what it's so funny because I've actually just had a message from Rob Houchin as we're talking about <laughs> it's like he knows um so it was really Rob was amazing because he had um he'd obviously been in the show um for a couple of years at this point and he really was just so kind and really just was wonderful and I remember him holding my hand as we took our bow and yeah it was really special I loved it I can't really remember very much about it I think that's adrenaline yeah it was it was honestly so 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 special and um he was Rob was amazing he was honestly just amazing really carried me through it so sweet you should message him back and tell him he should come on my podcast Um, and you mentioned you were part of the 30th anniversary cast yeah. and you know Les Mis always celebrates in a big way so what was that night like? I mean, it, that, that night was actually really really special because we did the show as normal and then there was a big gala performance at the end and um, Patti Lapone did a performance with Frances Raphael and Rachel Angot and Carrie Hope Fletcher and um, we had Con Wilkinson was there and um, there were a number of the Valjeans it was amazing. It was absolutely amazing. I couldn't believe it because by that point I'd been in the show about four months, so I was still very new. And then I was on stage and I was watching Patti Lapone sing. I thought, <laughs> what is this? It was just, it was amazing. And then, um, and then we had a big party afterwards, which was great. But yeah, loved it. That's amazing. I love the 30th anniversary cast too. I mean, there was just something so special about that group of people. Like, I'm totally showing my bias right now, but that I just. It was amazing. really, really amazing. It was such a great show. I mean, and such a great cast. It, that that cast was really full of some really special people, and lots of them are still my really close friends. I met some really that first year. It's always going to be special because it's your first year. But um, yeah, meeting so many people was just wonderful. So yeah. And did you have to go through another audition process for your second contract when you moved into the role of Cosette? Yeah, I did actually. That wasn't something that. I didn't just get bumped up. I had to audition for it. So they could have they could have said no. But yeah, I, I auditioned for it quite a while before I actually found out. Um, I auditioned in my first contract and then I stayed on um, and then got offered like halfway through my, my second year. Um, so yeah, I had to do a final on the stage, which was very surreal. <laughs> but yeah, I never, I, I never thought, I mean, just to cover it was, cover the role because that was wonderful. I never actually thought I would ever, ever play the role. So yeah, it was really special. What did that mean to you to kind of know that you were playing that like iconic role of Cosette in the West End? Oh my gosh. I just, I, the thing is when, when you, when you work in, in the industry that, you know, we work in, you, you kind of have dreams about things like this happening, but 
um, the, the reality of it happening is slim. So when something like that does happen, it's something that I never took for granted because I just, you don't know when that's ever, I mean, I was on a poster outside the theatre, you know, and even just having a programme and saying that I played the role, um, that's something really, there's something really special about that. So yeah, it meant a huge amount. Yeah, Amazing. And the audience sees everything that goes on to the, the goes into the show on stage, obviously. But how many people are involved behind the scenes in making it happen? So many. You honestly wouldn't believe. I mean, and I know the new version, I, I think lots of it's automated. But in the version that I did, like, you, you, the lighting is very, the lighting was very clever. But there were constantly members of the tech team on stage moving scenery and changing things around. And, you know, when the revolve went to the back, they'd be putting stuff on it. So it came back this way. So, yeah, like, just so many people and then you've not only got all of the 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 techies who are amazing but then you've got all of the wiggies and you've got the dresses and there's just so many people who work on that show who without them it just it again it wouldn't happen you know you see all of us on stage but we're a really tiny part of it in comparison to everyone else like even like the, the the front of house team they work so hard taking everyone in and out and looking after everyone it's, it is such a team effort in theatre. And, yeah, there is no way that the show would be able to happen without all of the people who work backstage and in front of house. So, yeah, it's what what we do is a really, really small part of the whole <laughs> puzzle of the show. Yeah, and I think that's really important because I think also a lot of people don't even know that those types of roles exist. You know, a lot of people who love theater and want to be in it in some way, shape or form don't even know there's all these, you know, options available of things that they can do to be involved with it. So, so, so many, honestly. And um, they are so key and instrumental to to the running of the show and to, to making sure that the audiences see the show eight times a week or, you know, there's so many people backstage mm-hmm. and I think that's I think that's always really important to also remember when people look I mean some ticket prices are extortionate but obviously within a ticket price you do have to include it it's not just the performers it's everyone else who works backstage who works so I mean, like the mm-hmm. people in wardrobe and, and the wiggies they're there from you know early much earlier on in the afternoon to get everything ready for the show that day and the same for the, the tech team to you know so yeah it's a real it is a real team effort. Yeah, definitely. And despite all those super talented people on the stage, there are things that still can go wrong because it's live theater, as we sure. said. So were, were there any memorable mishaps during your time in the show? Yeah, uh, so many. Um, I <laughs> fell over once when I was um, covering Cosette and I stacked it. I, I um, it, it was actually me two covers, Marie's cover and a cassette cover. We were both on. And we ran on and my foot went into the lip of the revolve and I literally just went flying and I ended up like on all fours. But he didn't know what happened. But Carrie was playing Epony. Carrie Hope Fletcher was Epony at this point. And Adam Beju was on for Valjean. And he saw it from the wing. But Ed, who was playing Marius, didn't know. So it was turning. And I was just looking at Carrie through the gate and doing everything I could not to laugh because she'd watched me. And then obviously I didn't leave the stage until the very at the end of One Day More. So yeah, I'd fallen over right in a spotlight as well. Fully, fully in a Oh no. Um I've forgotten words before. I had a massive mind blank when I was on for cassette once and I just couldn't 
I, I just honestly it felt like it was 10 minutes but actually it was like five seconds um but yeah I had a massive blank uh all sorts like if, if people are off and if we're really cut on a show um and the swings have already got too many things to cover then you might be given a different ensemble line and I'll have known this line I'll be going on thing right I've got an extra line I've got an extra line and I'll, I've missed a line before and it's got quiet <laughs> and I've gone oh no that was me yeah of course there, there were loads of mishaps but also I think as long as it's not huge the audience wouldn't really be too aware of things like that but there are lots of mm-hmm. things that, that that happen like and also I had a show I had a plan b show which is where the revolve didn't work so that that was very very last minute and bizarre because obviously you, you literally had to change the blocking as you were going because the the revolve was so pivotal to the original version if you didn't right. have it lots of the original blocking wouldn't work so yeah the plan b was hilarious um yeah we've had fire alarms where we've all got evacuated into the streets of soho in full costume oh, yeah no. i've got a great photo of me and paul wilkins outside next to a load of bins in our full costume <laughs> um yeah loads loads of stuff loads of stuff happened but then it just it all blurs into one there'll be so much more that that would have happened but I just won't remember but um because it's probably more rare for things to go completely right in a show especially one that's been running that long than to you know have something go wrong that you'll have like a run of time where everything is perfect there'll always be something you know um yeah whether it's a costume mishap or a wig or something like that but yeah Oh, and I know one of the biggest events for the West End community is West End Live. So could you explain what that is for anyone who might not know? God, it's like Glastonbury for musical theatre. No, um, it's a really amazing celebration of the West End. Uh, and it happens once a year in Trafalgar Square. And they basically set up like a massive stage. And there's like thousands of people who come and watch. I mean, that was what, another thing that was really sad with COVID because obviously I don't know if it will even happen this year, but it couldn't happen last year. But yeah, all of the shows go and they do a couple of numbers and you honestly feel like a rock star when you, especially when you do Lemmy's and there's one day more um, because people just love it. Have you been to West End Live before? I have. I've been twice. Yeah. Oh, amazing. They're so much fun. They're amazing, aren't they? They're really yeah. cool. I mean, I mean, yeah, like you said, especially for shows like Les Mis and Phantom, it just, everyone goes crazy. People are singing along. Like, it's just. Oh, it's and it's a free event as well, which is what's really special. So anybody can, anybody can go. And like, it's right in the middle of Trafalgar Square. But yeah, I love West End Live. And it's always so special to get to do them as well. I think I've done four now because I actually managed to do, I can't remember. I think I, no, I think I did one when I went back in 2019. So that was really special to get. That was a bonus. I didn't think I'd get. <laughs> and for the original production, for a while, they were basically the first week of the new cast, right? So what, what was that like to kind of, I'm sure that was like equal parts stressful and amazing. <laughs> it was just the weirdest, strangest week because it just all happened at once. You open the show and then suddenly on the first Saturday before you've not even done a, like you've done a Wednesday matinee, but you've not done a Saturday matinee. And there you are doing West End Live down at Trafalgar Square. It's really, it's really, really, it's really cool. It's really cool. Yeah. I can't wait for it to come back. I, I will definitely be there whenever it can happen again. <laughs> I'll be there getting a horrible sunburn like I did the last time I was there. No shelter, is there? There's no like no. cover. You've got to wear your SPF. <laughs> yeah, it was like a day that it said it was supposed to like be cloudy and overcast. And 
amazingly the sun just came out and it was shining brilliantly but i just had one of the worst i got sunburn on my lips which was awful that's bad sunburn <laughs> it was it was not cute at all <laughs> um so as you mentioned you came back to play cosette for the last month of the original production yeah what was that time like oh like absolutely amazing it was amazing it was very unexpected um the gorgeous amara who played the role before me got another job so she went and they they extended for the five weeks because they were closing so um they called me in the february and i obviously wasn't working at this point and they asked if i'd like to come back for five weeks and i said yes please because it was just amazing because also the weather was amazing it was june july time and also there was a really lovely buzz about it because the original was closing and it was kind of bittersweet because it was coming back in a in a new, really exciting form, but obviously lots of people love the original. But it was amazing. I just had the best five weeks and it just flew. It was a really, really happy time. I had a wonderful dressing room and yeah, it was just really, really special. I loved it. I, I, it was just a little, that's what I mean when you say you never fully leave because I left the year before and thought, right, that's it for me. So it was just really special to kind of go back and have that extra five weeks and say goodbye to the original version as well I felt really lucky Mm -hmm. and I was there at that very last performance and you know the energy from the audience was just insane and and I was a sobbing mess because that's just (laughs) how it was but how was it like from the stage that night the atmosphere was just amazing because you know you really I mean the barricade got like a standing ovation when the barricade came on it got like a I couldn't believe it so um it felt really it, it, it was it was really special it was just a really special thing to be a part of and you know so much history and yeah it was amazing I loved it yeah just that was just an incredible night I won't forget that ever uh what do you think is one of the biggest misconceptions that people have about professional actors that we work all the time uh, and and that everything you know once you've done a show you're set and that's not always the case and also people have to do other jobs in the meantime I think people just think that that's all that people do but the reality of that is not the case at all and also the amount of hard work that goes in behind the scene there's so much graft and like for every job you get there's probably 60 or more that you didn't you know mm-hmm. I remember like a couple of years ago I counted how many auditions and recalls and finals I'd done and it was like 50 and I got one of those jobs. You know, there were, there were times where I was really close or I was in the final two, but there was only one that came through. There's so much hard work that goes into it and so much graft. So I think, I think that's definitely, it's not just something that just happens. Mm-hmm. And often we don't, there are long stretches of time where we're not in work and doing other things, which is also totally okay and totally fine and part of being a, an actor and unless you are incredibly lucky then that's going to be the case for the majority of people I don't really think that's spoken about enough yeah definitely and do you think there's a lot of pressure kind of even within the industry of you know to always be working and always be performing and you know not having those side hustles yeah and I think social media as well can um, be really positive but it can also be really negative because I think people feel that they have to show that they are still visible and they are still here and that they are being creative and I think actually sometimes that's really hard to do especially at the moment so yeah I think there is a pressure to and also to be current and to show that you're still here but but actually like I think it's really important to remember that like sometimes people will be out of work for two years and they might not work at all and then they get just a really amazing opportunity and it changes and 
it really depends. And then people might go from job to job to job to job for years and then they might not work for a considerable amount of time. Or you have a situation like with, with what happened with me, whereas I left college to go straight into the show. And then I've had quite a period of time out. I mean, COVID included, but I've had a, a period of time doing other things. You know, I've done lots of temping. I've done lots of teaching. But I wouldn't say that it's any less important because it means that the next time you do get a job, I, I think it's all experience. I actually think it makes you a better actor. So, but there is a pressure, 100%. Because, because also as well, when you're in a job it does feel slightly easier to go into another one because you're currently working you know it's when you've been auditioning for a long time and it might not have worked out in the way that you'd hoped that that can feel more difficult and that's really fascinating that you said that you know makes you a better actor because I've talked to people you know during this time who have said you know this time not performing not having that option gave me this ability to kind of step back and be in the world yeah, I think it's really important because also as well, when you are doing eight shows a week, it's really easy for your self-worth to be purely based upon doing eight shows a week. And I think that's always really important to remember because as as, as actors and people who are creative are so much more than whether you can belt a top C or do it. I mean, if you can belt a top C, kudos, like congratulations, give me your larynx, you know. <laughs> You know, I think it's really important to remember that we are so much more than those eight shows a week. But yeah, I, I think it does make you a better actor because actually you have to take a step back from it all and, and actually observe what's going on. And and also it makes you, you when you then have a job, like it, it really means so much more because you'll have really worked for it. And it's not always easy to be proactive and to, to sing every day. And especially at the moment, like for a long time, I didn't want to sing because it made me feel quite sad because of the state of the industry. But now I realise that that's a, it's a muscle. It's something that you have to keep up. It's like if you're a dancer or even as an actor, that's very much to do with watching and observing and being empathetic and, you know, understanding people. And um, I think I think that's really... I think that's really important and having the time out it, it is vital because it does give you perspective and, and, and allows you to take a step back. But there, there is so much time where you are out of work, but that's not spoken about. And, 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 and also people don't necessarily talk about the things that they do in between. And actually, people do really amazing things in between. And that enables them to be able to stay in the profession and to carry on auditioning and to be able to, to not perform for a year, but, but to still audition and, and to, to be in the industry. So these jobs are their lifeline they're really important but they're not spoken about and I think that needs to be spoken about more right especially for people who are just coming into the industry to know you know what are those things that I can do to you know sustain myself during those times never taught at drama school you're taught how to to do an audition and to audition well and of course you know if you weren't you'd be wondering what you were paying for so of course I understand that but you know the ultimate goal is to perform that's seen as success we're actually the longer I have graduated and been out in the industry, the more I realised that actually success is being able to hold down two jobs and then go and do an audition on your lunch break and then also <laughs> have a social life and be able to, you know, maintain a sense of self-worth whilst not performing. That's success. But you're not taught that. And also amazing if you manage to do eight shows a week or you get a Netflix series like that is what we all aim and aspire for aspire towards and to be but you're no less important if 
you're currently not doing that you know mm-hmm. your your timeline is different to other people's but also comparison that's really difficult as well so yeah I think that's something that definitely should be taught more at, at drama schools that success comes in many different forms and it's not just to do with doing eight shows a week you know mm-hmm. and the time will come when it is right. That's something that needs to be discussed more. I definitely think because it's it's a hard industry, you know, mm-hmm. and you you won't be working all the time. The reality is that you spend more time out of work than you do in work. And do you think that outlook has helped you kind of cope during this COVID time when you know, performing just isn't an option for a lot of you know at least professionally and, and things like that right now? Yeah, one hundred percent. I'd be lying if I woke up every day and thought, oh, I'm fine with not working because I really have days where I'm thinking oh I'm I'm never going to perform again I'm awful I have all of all of that self-doubt um but yeah but but actually at the same time it has because I have like I say normal job but these are like what people do it's their profession like people that's what people want to do but for me it's it's a non-performing job but I have that I've had that for a while and worked through the pandemic with it and I'm doing spreadsheets at the moment and it's not what I want to do but it pays my bills it pays my rent and it means that I can carry on auditioning and if I get a self-take through or you know an audition I can work around it so and in the hope that you know something something will come up but yeah I, I think I think it has I'm not being positive Polly all the time not 100 percent. it's not like, you can't be especially yeah. in a pandemic where the industry has literally been obliterated there's no way that you can be but I feel like it's helped me to kind of keep some kind of hope yeah that hope in that perspective is important especially on those days when you know you feel like oh gosh this is never going to come back like just yeah. knowing that you know no we'll get to the end of this yeah it has it, it will it will it will come back in some capacity it has to art has you know always come through all of the really dark and depressing times throughout history and people will be craving it so it will come back but I think everyone needs to be empathetic and considerate to others because they'll there will be a rush of everyone wanting to show that they're being proactive and working and performing and you know, that will be difficult for people who maybe necessarily haven't got that. So, you know, I think it's going to be really important that we all just keep that in mind, I think, as we go, as we start to return to normal. Mm -hmm. Yeah, just be supportive of each other. And, you know, just be happy that the industry is coming back. And like you said, everyone's time will come. Yeah. And if someone's, you know, working an office job or teaching, they're just as successful as somebody who's, you know, in in a show in the West End or, you know, in a touring production. So uh, honestly, I I really I really think that success comes in many different forms. And I think when you're not working, it's important to remember that, because, like I said, being able to, you know, have a job and then go and audition and then manage to come back in your lunch break that's success. If you manage that in a day, that's really successful. You know, Definitely. Finally, last question. What gives you a heart full of love? What gives me a heart full of love? Oh, sunshine. It's really nice weather here today. Like spring is finally, I feel like it's sprung. I hope it's not going to get cold again. Sunshine, uh, like early, like light evenings at the moment. My friends, my family. And I do, and also just, collaborating with other people whether that be performing or 
But I, yeah, fr- friends and family give me a heart full of love, as cliche as that sounds. That's what I'm going for. I love Cosette. I've got to say it. Well, this was absolutely amazing. Thank you so much for taking the time for this conversation. It's been an absolute joy, and I wish you all the success with the podcast. Thank you so much. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe, share about it on social media, and leave a review to help spread the word. And speaking of reviews, for a chance to have your own favorite Ms. Memory featured on the podcast, all you need to do is share it with me by using the review feature in your podcast platform. I'll select one to share every week. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram, at Beyond the Barricade Podcast, because I love connecting with my fellow theater fans. Thank you so much for listening. And until next time, I'm sending you a heart full of love.